Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, we're starting a brand new series as we enter into this Christmas season. We're calling it Living Hope. And if there was ever a time in history that people needed a little bit of hope, it's this Christmas season of this global pandemic of COVID-19. 2020 is a year that needs a living hope. And as I've been kind of thinking through the Christmas story and rereading the Christmas story, I have been struck by this one little detail that really I don't think I've, I noticed before, and that is how much God's people had to wait for the Christmas story to be unfolded. I mean, you read through the Bible, and you will be amazed at how many times God's people were in his waiting room, waiting for God to step in and do something, waiting for God to fulfill his promise, waiting for God to change the situation of the circumstances that were around them. And I think if we were completely honest, most of us would say, we don't like waiting. I think that's a probably a fairly uh, honest statement. We don't like waiting. In fact, waiting can be quite challenging when we're waiting for something to change or for something to get better. Now, some of you right now, you're waiting for, the, you know, for a baby to be born. You've been waiting nine months, and you just can't wait. And some of you grandparents are waiting for this bundle of joy to uh, enter into the world. Some of you are waiting for your soulmate to find that person you can share your life with. Some of you are waiting to actually get pregnant. Maybe infertility has been a problem and you know, you're, you're waiting. You've gone to the doctors and doctors say, yeah, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get pregnant. And you just find yourself waiting and going, why God? Why do I have to wait so long? Some of you are waiting for your Christmas bonus. Maybe in 2020 you might get one. I don't know. Some of you are waiting for high school to be over so you can graduate, so you can go on to new adventures. I know all of us are waiting for COVID-19 to go away. So we can go visit our family and do a little bit of traveling. Here's the reality. Waiting can be hard. It is hard to wait. And especially when you're waiting on God. I mean, waiting's hard. But waiting on God seems really, really hard. In fact, maybe it's the hardest of all the waiting is when God puts you in his waiting room and you're waiting for your circumstances to change. You're waiting for your situation to change. You're waiting for it to go back to the way that it used to be. You just want something to happen. And from the days of creation, man began waiting for God to make a move that would fix the problem, and, and to rescue people from their sin. Shortly after Adam and Eve sinned, God made this promise that he would send somebody to deliver them. And they waited for God to fix things. Sin had entered into this perfect creation, but, and things now had changed. And God said in Genesis 3.15, he made this incredible promise. It's the first time that a promise was made that somebody was going to come and rescue them. And it says that out of Eve's seed, out of the seed of the woman, somebody would come and would crush the head of our enemy. 
And then the waiting began. People waited. And generations of people waited for this living hope. Generations had come and generations had gone. And they were still waiting, looking for some hope. All through the Bible, people are waiting on the Lord. But the question is when we're waiting on the Lord, how long do I have to wait, Lord? How long? That's usually the question that we ask when we're in the waiting room. Uh, David wrote these words, found these quite profound. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Waited and patient don't go in the same sentence for me. But there's David saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. In fact, this word waited patiently, it's kind of a complex uh, Hebrew word that's being used. What it means is it's to be in a position of hope and expectation. I mean, you are looking and expecting God to do something. And while you're waiting and while you're expecting, you're sticking close to God. That's the idea when he says, I am waiting patiently. But the thing is, lots of times we lose our patience when we're waiting on God. So you know what happens? Lots of times we just stop talking to God. We stop praying to God. We stop reading our Bible, stop going to church, we stop getting in conversations about God. Because it's hard to wait patiently. In fact, when we're waiting, we're kind of wondering, what are you doing, God? Right? Like, what are you actually doing while I am waiting for you to step in and do something? Well, here's what I'm learning. That God is doing something bigger than you and me. God has a timetable for everything that happens. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a right time for every activity under the sun. I like how this translation puts it. Everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. Christmas had a timetable. In fact, in Galatians, it says, When the right time came, God sent his son to earth, born of a woman, living under the law, so that his son could pay for our freedom from the law and adopt us as his children into God's family. When it was the right time. Well, when's the right time? <laughs> Why was that the right time? I don't know. I don't know. Like, why was it the right time 2,000 years ago? Why not 4,000 years ago? I don't know. Why, why is in 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, a good time for living hope to be born? I don't know. But it was the right time. See, often, God does not tell us the details in advance. That's the truth. We wish we knew. But God doesn't often do that. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 3, it also says, God has given us a desire to know the future. He always does everything just right and on time. But people can never completely understand what he is doing. Well, that's true. Lots of times we feel like we've been left in the fog this verse is so true, and it says people want to know the future. People are always, I mean, they read tarot cards, they read tea leaves, they go to psychics, they study the stars. 
looking for a little bit of glimpse. I don't go to a palm reader. I just want to know my future. Why can't we know the future? If we knew the future, maybe it wouldn't be so torturous waiting in the waiting room. But maybe it just might be a little too overwhelming, too. I think sometimes if we did know the future, we'd be scared to death. And so really, the question comes down to, God just wants us to trust him. We're in this waiting room. It's also the opportunity to be able to trust him. Acts 1-7 says, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. And there's the truth. God is never in a hurry, and he is never late. He's never in a hurry. And he's never late. And God just has a different perspective of time, you and I. He's not bound by time like you and I are. Habakkuk actually says, the vision will happen at the time I have appointed. It moves steadily toward its goal, and it will not be proven false. If it seems slow or delayed, just wait for it. It will certainly happen. It will not be late. I struggle to learn that lesson, to be honest with you. I mean, God's timing is perfect. Mine is not. It's imperfect, but boy, I struggle waiting on God's timing. God is always on time. But here's the problem. God's timing is not always convenient for me. Right? Okay, God's timing is perfect, but it's not convenient. It's not always easy. And Jesus' birth was not convenient, by the way, for Mary and Joseph. I mean, here's a, a young couple. I don't know how they met. Maybe they met at the youth group at the synagogue. I don't know. But there's Mary, a young teenager. Joseph's a little bit older. They kind of take an interest in each other. Before you know it, they're engaged. I don't know. Did Joseph get down on his knees and propose to Mary? I don't know. But we find out that they got engaged. And then Mary gets visited by an angel and tells her, You're pregnant of the Holy Spirit. Well, this is not good timing, Lord, right now. I'm not even married. <laughs> and in this particular culture, this would have been considered, ah, so, oh, you could be worthy of being stoned to death. It wasn't very convenient for Mary. And then, of course, she goes and she talks to Joseph. You can imagine receiving that news. That news. I mean, the girl that you love, the girl that you're engaged to, is coming with you and says, I'm carrying another man's child. What? It's not very convenient for Joseph, is it? And then Joseph gets his brainiac idea. Hey, let's go on a road trip. I know you're nine months pregnant. I know you're almost, you know, ready to, to give birth. But wouldn't it be great to go to Bethlehem? And of course, right, Caesar Augustus says, um, you got to pay your taxes. But what was so inconvenient, not just paying your taxes, you got to go back to your hometown. Not very convenient for them. Since he had to go to Bethlehem, I, I mean, I'm from Moncton, New Brunswick is where I would be born. That's like for me saying, Donald, you got to go to Moncton, New Brunswick. And I'd be like, yeah, the province is actually locked down. I can't even get in there. How is that even possible? And so Joseph somehow convinces Mary, hey, you know what? I'll make it easy on you. I'll get a donkey. 
and uh, you won't even notice. I'll have, I'll have shocks on the saddle, and it won't be as uncomfortable, you know, when you're going over those rocky roads. Not very convenient. Then, of course, I get to Bethlehem. Not very convenient that he didn't make reservations. Not very convenient that there was no place for them to go. Of course, we know the story. We discover that Jesus is born, their baby is born in some backyard, I don't know, maybe a barn, a cave. And they deliver their own child. Not very convenient. Boy, the timing. Couldn't there have been a better timing? And then, and then, Herod comes up with this idea. I want all the babies that were born in Bethlehem, they're two years and younger, to be killed. Slaughter them. Because he had heard that a king of kings was being born in Bethlehem. So what does Mary and Joseph? Not very convenient. They have to flee and go to Africa. They're living in Africa for three years. Not very convenient. So it's true, God's timing may be perfect. But it doesn't always seem convenient when you're waiting on God. It's difficult to be in God's waiting room. Because you and I are in a hurry for things to happen. We're ready to close the deal. We're ready to open up the business. We're ready to get married. We're ready to graduate from high school. We're ready to get pregnant. Waiting really will test your faith. That's the truth. Waiting will test your faith. But also will build character in your life. See, while we're working on our goals, God's actually working on us. And, and God is more interested in us than our projects. Sometimes we're in the waiting room because God knows we're not ready yet for what's ahead. God knows we got to maybe grow up a little bit before we can handle what's ahead of us. And God's preparing us for what we will need while we're in the waiting room. Isaiah 49.8, at the right time, I will answer your prayers. At the right time. That phrase, the right time, is used almost a hundred times in the Bible. At the right time. Delay, by the way, doesn't always mean denial. So let's come back to the original question here that God would ask us. Do you trust me? While you're sitting in that waiting room, do you, do you trust me? Can you trust me? While you wait? And I don't mean for an afternoon. Do you trust me if you had to wait for a year? Would you trust me if it took three years? For something to happen that you've been praying for? Could you trust me then? What about if it took five years? Could you trust me then? Why I have you in this waiting room? One of the most important truths that anybody, probably the most important truth that anyone in this world needs to know, it's the truth of the gospel, right? God sent his son as a baby died on a cross, lived among us, suffered, died on the cross for our sins. Most powerful truth that we need to know. 
Everyone needs to know that truth. But I think maybe the second most powerful truth that we need to know is this word sovereignty, that God is in control. That's hard. That God is in control of our circumstances, both bad and good. And the thing is, if we don't believe in the sovereignty of God, you know what's going to be left for us to do? We're going to be having conversations, maybe, what if, perhaps, luck. And we'll be talking all about all kinds of stuff, and we'll miss out who's actually in control of it all. So don't lose sight. I do, by the way. Lose sight that God's actually in control. And when things are happening in my life, and I feel like I'm waiting forever, I feel like he whispers in my ear, Donald, do you trust me? Do you trust me now? Hey, it's been four years. Do you trust me now? How do you know? How do you know if God really is with you when you're in the waiting room? Because let's be honest, when we're in the waiting room, there's so many times we feel like we're all by ourselves. How do I know he's really with me while I'm waiting? I feel like he's gone on another project and has forgotten me here in the waiting room. How do we know that God is with us in the waiting room? Let me read this verse to you. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. For those who wait on the Lord. I'll renew your strength while you're waiting on me. When you can't figure me out, I'll give you new strength. When you don't have no idea what's happened, I'll give you new strength. In the meantime, I'll give you what you need for that moment. When you feel like you're running out of juice, I'll give you what you need. It's really divine intervention. You know, sometimes I, I've competed a couple times in a, some triathlons years ago. And, and I can remember, you know, I'm on the last leg. You know, you're down to the last five kilometers that you're running. And you're just, you're running out of steam. Like, I don't know if I can do it. And then somebody comes along and they say, you can do it, man. You can do it. And they're running by you. Come on, you can do it. I'll run with you. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get this new burst of energy. Yeah, I can do this. That's the strength that God gives that's what he's saying. I'll give you new strength. You know, it talks about being mounted up with, with wings of eagle. I was reading about how um, a mother eagle, when she's making a nest, I didn't know this, but she puts like sharp objects at the bottom of the nest and then covers it all up with, you know, leaves and softer things. And then these babies are born. And then after a while, she begins to remove some of the layers so it gets a little prickly so they don't stay in the nest. You know what that's like, you, where you lock the door so your kids don't get to come back home. Something like that. And, um, you know, you, you change the bedroom over to a new color and their furniture's no longer there. It's a TV room, right? You know, you kind of encourage them to move along. Well, that's what this, the eagle does. 
kind of encourage them, you know, kind of prods them, pushes them over. And then when they fall out of the nest multiple times, they begin to flop. And before you know it, and then for those babies that don't, I was reading where eagle, a mother eagle will swoop down and catch the eagle and pull it back up so it can eventually fly like an eagle. Well, that's what God does in the waiting room. He mounts us up like eagles. And then when you're running, he brings someone along. You can do it. Renews your strength. When you just want to give up, he comes along. And then talks about, and they shall walk and not faint. Sometimes you just can't run anymore. And you're left to walk. Because running is too hard. But even in your walk, you'll not be faint. Because I'm there. I'm there with you. I think some, I feel like that's why one of the reasons God created the church is so that we don't have to walk alone. Come along beside us and, and encourage us. Either way, we get new strength. So before you check out of the waiting room, because you're like, I'm done with this. Check up. Because God's doing something bigger than just you and me. Jesus Christ, our living hope. You can trust him. You can bank your life on him. You can build your life on him. You can have the confidence to live for him. You can get rid of all the worries because this living hope has perfect timing. And he knows exactly what you need and what I need. And he's never in a rush, but he's always on time. So even in the waiting room, God's doing something. Thanks for listening. And consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no